The reading today is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, and can be found on page 1171 on the Pew Bibles. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you yourselves, sorry, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Can you put up that one verse from Galatians 5 for me, please? Now, just the one. Just that's it. For in Christ Jesus, now, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is the nub of the whole of this letter. The only thing that counts in Christ Jesus is faith expressing itself through love. Do you follow the news? Who is Israel Folau? He's a hugely successful Australian rugby player who recently posted on Instagram this remark. Drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists and idolaters, hell awaits you. He claims this view expresses his Christian faith. Do you agree? Paul's letter to the Galatian church was addressed 
to a Gentile church that had come under the influence of Jewish believers who were anxious to draw the church back under the umbrella of the law. And Paul was at pains to point out that our journey home is not to be navigated through the arcane strictures of the Jewish law, but simply through the grace of God, made possible through faith in Christ. The only thing that counts. We are free from the must-do and the must-not-do of the law. This is the freedom Paul is writing about. Paul's theme here is one of the simplest ideas in the Christian faith, but also one of the hardest to assimilate, to live accordingly. It is summed up, I think, admirably, in those well-known words. Let's pop them up. John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You may have read this and thought, yes, I know that, that's the centre of my faith. But I can guarantee that many of us will struggle with that, whether we know it or not. And for two reasons. The first is that we may struggle to believe that we are worthy of such grace, of such love, that we can be loved. Let's just rewrite that verse a minute from a personal point of view. Supposing it said, For God so loves me that he gave his only son so that I, believing in him, will not perish but have eternal life. It is personal. The focal point of a love beyond measure. One that we know we don't deserve. One that we're not worthy of. So, we spend our lives pursuing worthiness. We work and work to make ourselves worthy of Christ's sacrifice of grace. But all our work, all our effort, counts for nothing. Christ died for all. For all. Everyone who believes in him. And why? God loves his creation. We are, each and every one of us, the beloved of Christ. We may not feel beloved. We may not feel able to be loved. We may know that we're not lovable. And certainly not by someone who knows our every deepest secret. But we are. And this is a truth that many of us will struggle to accept. If we don't believe we're lovable, how on earth can we take those words of John 3.16 and make them personal? So that I, believing in him, may not perish but have eternal life. 
look round at middle-aged and elderly couples you know, you can often see an obvious connection, a knowing glance, a word, an expression, familiar touches, gestures, all of which point to a close and loving relationship. And if we can see it from outside, they know. They have a constant reinforcement that they are loved. These things are the product of time spent together. And it's just the same with God. We get the reinforcement of our relationship with him, but through spending time with him. Might be reading. Might be silent thought, contemplative prayer. It might be singing, listening to music. Might be in the study, in our favourite armchair, in the garden, on a mountaintop. There is no set recipe for meeting God. Find out where your soul is ready to meet him. This is vital. Only by knowing God can you sustain that relationship. Only by knowing God can you know that you are beloved. Only he can show you that. It may not be knowing glances, it may not be touches, but only he can let you know. So that's our first problem. Can we believe we are the beloved of Christ? The second problem is that we may just find that the church, as God envisages it, is far more inclusive than we are comfortable with. This morning at Staplefield, we had this reading from Galatians, but we also had one from Exodus, describing the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites going through on dry land and the Egyptian army being swallowed up by the waters so that not one survived. There is a rabbinical tradition that God, watching this, wept. And the archangel turned to him and said, Why do you weep? Look at this great victory. And God turned and said, My people are drowning my people, the Egyptians. John 3.16 makes it clear that there is only one qualification for eternal life. All who believe in him. All. Fanny Crosby wrote a great hymn which was popularised by Billy Graham. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world, he gave us his son. But a little bit further on, the vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And that includes, in vilest offenders, drunks, homosexuals, Adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, maybe not atheists, 
who can't be an atheist and truly believe, idolaters. All of those people that Mr. Folau passes judgment upon fall into the category of receiving a pardon from Jesus. Mr. Falau is not comfortable with God's vision for the church. It's all inclusiveness. And he's not comfortable with Fanny Crosby's view of the gospel. For him, the vilest offender has no place in the kingdom. But we only have to read the gospels to realise if Jesus came today, who would he spend his time with? In Mark's gospel, he says... It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The people rejected by first century Jewish belief were those he associated with. Prostitutes and tax collectors spring to mind for some reason. A curious combination. But who would it be today? If he came, who would it be? I'm not going to answer it. A year ago, I preached on Romans chapter 12. And I quoted Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my favourite American preachers. And she said this. All of us have a secret list of people we would rather not sit next to. Here or anywhere else. They may be specific people you can name, or they may be certain kinds of people. You know who they are. Now, I look round. We're a relatively homogeneous group of people. Just imagine stretching the boundaries as Christ wishes to do. This congregation would then be more diverse than any group of people you have been in. That is God's purpose. How are we ever going to be comfortable with that? We have to acknowledge that God will accept and will love people that we really struggle with, however tolerant we consider ourselves. You thought love your neighbour as yourself was going to be easy, didn't you? It's not. It's very, very difficult. You need to be able to see other people through Christ's eyes. It's going to need a conscious effort and it's going to need a lot of grace. It's become popular for large companies to contract out some aspects of their operation payroll, IT, cleaning, you know about this, it's called outsourcing. God does not do outsourcing, and especially he does not do outsourcing when it comes to judgment. Mr. Folau has no contract with God for exercising judgment. God reserves that to himself. When we reach the pearly gates, if there are any, the decision about our future 
lies firmly and only with the triune God. We have no way of knowing what that decision will be for anybody we see. Their outward spiritual journey will be obvious to us. But the inner truth of their spiritual journey is known only to God, not to us. We need to take a step back. We need to remember Carl's verse from last week, which he reminded us of earlier. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Perhaps we should add one word. There is now no condemnation for all those in Christ Jesus. And that includes the vilest offender who truly believes. There is no condemnation. No condemnation of us. No condemnation of anyone else. When we accept that John 3.16 applies to me personally we also have to accept that it can apply to absolutely anyone else anyone who believes and that brings us back to that one verse can we have it again the Galatians for in Christ the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressed through love. In Christ, the only thing that counts.